Everybody Suffers, so how can I pray for you? Welcome to the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. I'm Carl Brown, and today's episode, since my podcast is all about making sense out of suffering so that you can experience consolation or share it with others, I thought I would help alleviate the suffering that you might have if you think about reading the book of Job, okay? The book of Job, reading the book of Job is equivalent to living in purgatory. It's very difficult. And in this episode, I hope to simplify it for you. And in that way, I hope that it will be a blessing to you, this episode. So, this episode is sponsored by Our Lady of Kibeho. Kibeho, Rwanda was the site of the most recent major church-approved apparition of Our Blessed Mother, she warned us of the Rwandan genocide of 1994, and she reintroduced the Seven Sorrows Rosary. Mary gave this warning more than 10 years before the genocide, which she confirmed by predicting the death and resurrection of three visionaries in Rwanda. And the warning she gave the people of Rwanda, she specifically said, was not just for Rwanda, but a warning for the whole world. So what will you do now? Will you pray the rosary every day as she asked? Or will you one day regret not having done enough to prevent what she warned us about? In our podcast here, I want to always protect against rambling, and I want to protect against sharing stuff that God doesn't want me to share. So let's pray for God's intercession here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. Lord, help me to only say what you want me to say, and to forget what you don't want me to say. Thank you for joining me in this podcast. Welcome back. And this should be fun, because it's going to help you save a lot of time in reading the book of Job, and save a lot of frustration in reading the book of Job. The book of Job is very complex, very laborious. It's very hard to read. And part of that is just because it's philosophical and it's poetic and it could just get down to the point, but it takes so long for that to happen. My plan is to help simplify that for you. In the beginning of the book, we see Job, and he's a just man, and God is proud of him. And the devil is complaining, saying, you know, Job is only a good guy because you've given him so much. So, God says, fine, Satan, take his property, take his children. And he does that. But then the devil comes comes back and God says, look at my servant Job. He lost things and he's still faithful to me. And the devil says to, to God, oh, that's just because you haven't hurt him. So God says, so God says, then he is in your hand, only spare his life. In other words, do whatever you want, you just can't kill him. And then Job starts to suffer personal affliction 
and heartache and physical ailments and in addition to having lost everything economically. Then his three friends begin the never-ending, it seems to me is never-ending, back and forth about the nature of life and how <laughs> how God acts in our lives and it's just it's just honestly really hard for me to follow and I had to get some cheat sheets in order to do that so when I when I finally went through the book of Job with the help of some cheat sheets I found that that, that things were very simple if you just cut to the chase <laughs> okay and I'm going to cut to the chase but it, I'm just going to share with you that his one friend says, well, the innocent prosper, therefore you're, you must not be innocent. But Job says, no, I am just. And he says, my life has no hope. And another of his friends said, you should repent. And Job says, there is no arbiter. Job pleads to God. His, Job's other friend says, you deserve worse than this. His, Job says, no, the, God has done this, and I'll still hope, and death comes for all of us soon, and, and he's looking forward to dying, and his friends just keep coming back and not helping him in any way, and, and he says in chapter 16, miserable comforters are you, because they're just not offering him any comfort. And then his friend says, God punishes the wicked. And Job says, my Redeemer lives. And his friend says, the wicked will suffer. <laughs> and Job says, but I'm, I'm innocent. And uh, he, he says, God's majesty is unsearchable. You know, Job has some, he has some good things to say about God. But he, he maintains his integrity. He maintains his innocence. And he his friends rebuke him and they condemn him <laughs> it's just it seems like it ne it's never going to end and then finally finally god comes in on the scene in chapter 38 and he's speaking to job and and he says you know where were you when i when i did this and when i created the world and everything and who are you to complain and this goes on for a couple chapters. And then, here's where we go. Here we're cutting to the chase. Job confesses and he repents. And then the Lord rebukes Job's friends. This is all in chapter 42. After the Lord had spoken these words to Job... The Lord said to his friend, Eliphaz, My anger burns against you and against your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up a burnt offering for yourself. And my servant Job shall pray for you, and I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant Job has. So they went and did what the Lord told them, 
and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And we have been going, this is chapter 42, we have been going for 38 chapters of philosophical diatribes that go round and round and go nowhere. In chapter 42, we start out that way because Job answered the Lord, but then things come to a screeching halt with the Lord rebuking Job's three friends. And then it continues in verse 10 of chapter 42. And the Lord restored the fortune of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. And then the author of the book of Job just recounts all of the ways that God gave him twice of what he had before. Here is the point. Job is suffering, and what is it that ends his suffering? It's not the philosophical back and forth. It's not him defending God. It's not him crying out to God. The thing that ends Job's suffering is when he prays for his friends. Isn't that fascinating? And I think it's fascinating that God says to his friends, Take seven bulls and seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering. And here's the message, the moral. When Job was focused on himself, he was suffering. When he was, even, the, even when he was saying, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Even when he was doing that, he was focused on himself. But as soon as he took his focus off of himself and prayed for his friends, the suffering ended and he was given twice everything that he had before. I'm not saying that you're going to get twice of everything that you lost from suffering. What I'm saying is, especially with, which, with the, the speed with which this book ended, it's like a, it's like a mousetrap that shut just so quickly. It's sitting there, it's sitting there, it's sitting there, and then it snaps, it's shut. For, for 38, 39 chapters, we're going through this ridiculous back and forth, pointless back and forth. Oh, it's beautiful poetry, it's, it's elegant, it's philosophical, but it just goes nowhere. But what cuts to all of it is when Job prays for his friends even though he's the one suffering. He's the one suffering. They are not. And why do they need his prayers? Because they have not spoken rightly about God. Job has spoken rightly about God, but that, is, that alone is not enough. And I think that the message of this book is that, number one, life is a drudgery. That's Job chapter 7, verse 1. And life can seem to be round and round and going nowhere, just like all of these arguments from Job's friends. And the moment that clarity comes in, the moment that we can have peace, is the moment where we are praying for our friends, even when they are the source of frustration for us. They didn't bring about the suffering, but they certainly didn't help it. When we pray for others, we take a focus off of ourselves we 
we're calling on the on the mercy and the and the might of God on behalf of our friends, and that is what can help us in suffering. We should pray for other people. We should pray the seven sorrows rosary for other people. His his friends, God told his friends to offer seven bulls and seven rams. And and I think that the message for us is offer up seven sets of seven Hail Marys for your friends. Pray for your friends. This can bring peace to your suffering. This can bring joy from your sadness. Pray for pray for others. Don't don't just think about yourself. Don't just and by the way, I'm not, I don't have this down pat. I'm not the perfect exemplar of this. I still have <laughs> complaints. Ask my wife. I'll, I, can, I can complain to her a lot. And she's a great sounding board. But at some point, we need to stop the complaining and the ranting. And we need, we need to pray for our friends. Especially when they're suffering. And when we do that, we'll experience consolation. My name is Carl Brown. This is the EverybodySuffers.com podcast. My hope is that through this podcast I can help you make sense out of suffering so that either you experience consolation or so that you can share consolation with others. And everybody suffers, so how can I pray for you? You can email me your prayer requests at carl at everybodysuffers.com. And podcast statistics are hard to come by, so if this episode was helpful to you, please let me know. I'm Carl Brown. God bless you. Have a great day.